Hello everyone, I'm Yvonne Edoutu and this is Beautiful Mind Podcast. So hello and welcome back to Beautiful Mind Podcast. Happy new month guys and happy Women's History Month. I hope you are doing well. In today's episode, I have a special guest, but first let me read her bio to you. So today's guest received her LLB and Bachelor of Laws from University of Ibadan, Nigerian Law School. She finished with first class honors in both degrees and she finished as the best graduating student in both institutions. She holds a PhD from Kent Law School and a Bachelor of Civil Law from the University of Oxford. She's currently working in one of the best law firms in the world, where she's a member of the Financial Restructuring Group, an expert on advising companies, note holders, lenders, and other parties on cross-border insolvency and restructuring matters. She's also very passionate about mentorship and mentoring younger people. She's also a great supporter of the podcast, an amazing friend, loving sister, colleague, wife, Join me in welcoming Dr. Damilola Bangboshe on the show. Hey, girl. How you doing? Good. Hey. Are you happy Thank to you be here? Thank you for having me. Oh, that's Thank good. Thank you for the introduction. I'm excited to be here. I just want to say you're doing such an amazing job with Beautiful Mind Podcast. Thank you very and much. I am so, so proud of you. And I love this podcast. So I'm excited to be here. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. So first of all, the first question I'm going to ask you is when you were a child, what did you want to be? Okay, I went through like so many phases. Uh, I think the first one I remember, there might might have been earlier ones, but I wanted to be a dentist at first. I don't know why, but for some time I wanted to be a dentist. And then I switched to law as far as I can remember. Okay. And then I think there was a short phase where I wanted to be a medical doctor. Oh, wow. Yeah. What about accounting? I know you liked ICANN some. Never. Never, really? I mean, it's not because I had this childhood burning desire and passion to work with numbers. I think um, I tried ICANN. I, I wrote some, I got to, I think, the third stage of the technician scheme. Mostly because I thought it was a useful skill to have to be able to, because I was quite interested in corporate law and I thought it was was a useful skill to be able to understand numbers and company books and all of that. But I don't think it was necessarily because. But I think, I still think it's a useful skill. (laughs) Yeah, I still think so. I completely agree. It's a useful skill and it's such a shame that I couldn't finish it and get chartered. But I didn't do it because I always wanted to be an accountant. <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. So I know for a fact that you come from an old girl's home. What was that like for you growing up? It was fun. It was, it was great to have, I mean, I didn't have anything to compare with. Like, I didn't think I was missing out on not having, but I did, I do have a brother, my, my, my older cousin grew up with us. So yeah, I, 
I didn't think I was missing anything, but it was quite nice to be surrounded by girls. I had so many girlfriends from such a young age. And, and as a result, um, like I'm an expert at being a girlfriend, like having girls around me. And having, I mean, no, if that, that didn't come out right. I mean, having female friends because my earliest friends were my sisters and we're still such good friends. So it was yeah, the five fun. roses. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think I this think affected so. how you saw the world? I mean, dealing with classmates and interacting with your other friends when you told them, hey, I come from a family of all girls. I mean, how do you think people reacted to that? Or how do you think? And I'm yeah. so what was their reaction like? It's, it's quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, I always people always found it interesting. So, and that's the only reason I keep telling people like it's a nice conversation starter to say we're all girls. I have four sisters. People are always interested to know. Oh, what was that like? What's that like? Oh, you're so many, especially here when people are not used to having so many siblings. It, it wasn't until recently that, or later in life, that I started realizing that there was such a difference in the way people treated girls versus boys like people people will think or act like boys are smarter or boys were more important or something I was never exposed to any of that we're all treated the same because we're all girls I mean I'm not saying that if we had if I had like brothers my parents would have treated us differently but I never grew up with the impression that there's a difference between girls and boys I mean my parents always encouraged us to follow our dreams, chase our dreams, be anything you want to be. You can do anything you want to do, basically. So it wasn't until later that I was exposed to the fact that, oh, the society sees girls differently. Sees girls. They That's think true. that, yes, certain things that we shouldn't do or we can't do. I, growing up, I just was, yeah, and I have to give credit to my dad because I remember that my dad would make a point of taking us out to the toy store. He would buy us, you could buy any toy you wanted, trains, cars, books, whatever wow. you wanted. It was just, it yeah. wasn't just dolls. I, I don't know that he remembers, but. It's good to know. Sorry? I say it wasn't well, just dolls you played with. You had the opportunity to play with trains, you know, toy cars and all that. Yeah. So back in primary school, secondary school, did you think boys and girls were treated the same? Or what was your first interaction with the word equality or inequality? Um, well, primary school, yeah, I thought, okay, so primary school, I, I did really well in primary school. And I had the experience where I would beat the boys in my class and come first in class. And then I would get sneaky remarks like, oh, a girl beat you or things like that. And yeah. I didn't really think much of it, but I remember vaguely that there were like talks like that, that I just didn't make much of. And then secondary school, I didn't really get exposed to any of that because I went to an all girls to school. Yeah, I went to an all girls Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Okay, we can talk about that some other time, but I'm not a fan. Oh, really? So you won't recommend anyway. that? Anyway, <laughs> it's boarding. Come on. I like the fact that you credited your dad and, yeah. and your parents for how they brought you up. So do you think the home cements the foundation for what equality means in the mind of a child? Yeah, definitely. Because that's like your first contact with the world, right? And I think that's where you're formed. Those 
first few years of your life, like your formative years, they're the most important years of your life and they kind of influence the things you do, how you think growing up. I'm not saying people can't change the way they view the world when they're older and they know better. I mean, I've had to change my views about a few things, but it's much harder and it's like, it becomes more of an intentional and difficult thing to do when you're much older. So I think what you see happen in your home, around you, and what you hear, what you learn, definitely influences how you think about equality, what you think the role in quotes of women should be in the society, how women should be treated. Part of the discussion of International Women's Day is talking about equality is not a woman's issue, it's a business issue. Growing up, you had you heard the word equality thrown around in church, you heard it in in school. You talked about um, people making snide remarks about you beating the guy in the class. I even remember back in school, the class captain most of the time had to be a guy. And it was funny, I didn't understand why. Why would you make the class captain guy and then make the girl an assistant? You know, all these subtle guy, things. I know. Yeah, all the subtle things were there. I was there. the assistant class captain. I know. I was just... <laughs> and you say when you have the head boy, then the head gay, then you always have an assistant. I just wonder why. Why couldn't you pick one person? Why didn't you think one person it's, was good it's enough? It's funny because... Oh, why couldn't the girl be the class captain? Yes. And then the guy be the assistant. It, it was so silly, but yeah. I, I feel and like... I think it's just the... It's the same reason. It's the same reason why we're not likely to have um, a female president in, in Nigeria. I mean, in most places, it's not even a Nigerian thing, to be honest. But but yeah, it's it's so sad because it started from such a tender age. Imagine that a young yeah. child just knowing that hey, a young female knowing that oh, you're not going to be the class captain. It has to be a guy. You'll be the assistant. You're always the second person. You're always number two every time. And after secondary school, well, when you attend an all-girls school, obviously, class captain will be a female like you. That's not even a big deal because you're all girls. It's when you get to university, you start saying that, oh, okay, we are still different. When you start interacting with different people and people start making some remarks, women are like this, girls only do this, girls only do And you're like, where is this coming from? But truth is, it, it it comes from hearing you are the second best in primary school, comes from the church treating you a certain way, comes from some people's homes, you know. Some families just let you know the female child will always do this, the male child will always do that. The expectations for the female children are lower than the male children. So, yeah, so now that International Women's Day, people are talking about equality, it's not all about the women, it's a business issue. What's your view about this? completely agree with that that it's not just about the woman or marriage and things that we tend to talk about most of the time i think there's a real business case there's a real economic case for for making more women contribute Mm -hmm. to the economy and be a part of the economy just because when you think about it women constitute like half of the population if not more and if we keep relegating women to, I don't know, certain things, or we keep refusing to acknowledge 
the contribution, the significant contributions that women can make, then we're basically not using half of the economic power that we have. It's like... That's true. It's crazy because if you say... And, and I think there's just always this assumption, like you said, that the first choice would always be a man. The best person to do the job would always be a man. And it starts from right from the beginning. Like the game is rigged against women from the start. <laughs> and women start believing that you kind of internalize those things. Even if you've come from, you come from a home where you've been brought up to think that you can do anything, then you go out into the society you hear people talk, you interact with people, you have some experiences. And at some point, you start believing those things. You start internalizing all those things. That, okay, maybe I actually should not speak up. Maybe if I try too hard, people will think I'm being aggressive or people will think I'm being too emotional. Maybe a man is actually going to do a better job. And then you don't, you're not the best version of yourself. You don't live up to your potential. And that, I think that actually has a ripple effect on different parts of society. True. Women just don't show up. You don't, you don't stand up. You don't contribute. I mean, I was speaking with um, one of the partners at my workplace recently, and we we're just talking about recruiting. She does a lot of the firm's recruitment. And she was saying in her experience that, so when you, most times when you find candidates that are open about talking about they are reluctant about talking about their achievements. They don't want to, they don't even put some things in their CV, like some of the amazing things they've done. You would usually find that it's a girl. It's a young girl that is out of uni. She's done all these amazing things and she just, she, she can't even say to the person she's trying to get a job from because for some reason we don't, we just don't want to talk about things we've done or we can do where shy about it or something but then the men come and the little things they've done they hype like, it up you make it such a big it. deal which is not a bad thing everybody has the right to do to that do you that. can choose to do that sing your own praise but women just hold back for different reasons and that's not good for anyone because we have so much to offer yes we do we have like the skills to organize to make things happen. I always see the difference when a woman is involved. When a woman is involved. <laughs> a woman oh is my gosh. Involved. Yeah. It, things just fall into place. And I'm not trying to be stereotypical here to say that women yeah. have certain skills that men don't have or whatnot. But the truth is, we have so much to give. And everybody acknowledges that. Everybody knows that. But for some reason, women are still put in a box. True. And we assume that there are some things we should be doing and we should always come second to the men. True. It's Very hard. True. Let me and give you let, let me let me give you an example. Yeah. So I I visited one of the places I, I worked uh, a few years ago. And when I was leaving, one of the partners there told me that, oh, he's looking for for someone to hire. He wants a male. And I remember when I worked there, <laughs> they made so much noise about <laughs> hiring a male for litigation. I want a guy. I want a guy who'll be aggressive, you know? A woman, eh, if she gets married, she'll say she's leaving soon or she gets pregnant or all these other things. Sad. And I, I, I don't know. I was just in so much shock that, is this what year yeah. are we in? Why are you thinking like this? Mm. Why do you think a, you, you, a man would do the job better than a female? And so because of that, you have so many guys in litigation 
and some females just shy away from it. They just feel that even if they do it, they still will not measure up to mm. to a guy. I mean, why would someone think like that? Why? why would you? Why would you? Why are you so biased? Imagine a female applying for that position, you won't get the job because the man that she's wants to already, hire already wants a man, and he's already telling you. And he's you, not even looking to see if she can do a better. No, job. he doesn't even care if she's the best in her class. If she can, can you imagine when he said that to me, even the fact that he's so comfortable saying that, you know. I think we, we, yeah. we're at this point in Nigeria. I feel like it's in, it is in developed worlds that people are like a lot more sensitive, you know, with the mm-hmm. whole they, there's no discrimination against gender, race, all that. In Nigeria, even though you say that yeah. labor law, discrimination is is very present. They don't care. Mm. They just say it to your face. Yeah. When you hear things like this, yeah. you're like, wow. I mean, as I was leaving the, as I was walking out of the office, I just knew I wasn't going to recommend anybody. And I did not, I did not tell anybody <laughs> about it because I just felt insulted. A lot of times when yeah. people say things like this, it, it riles me up. I'm already angry. Mm. Like, why? Why are you like this? Because you have young lawyers that come out of law school. You know, they're excited. They want to go to court. They want to go and fight all the possible battles, even though there's no money there. And at the end of the day, they'll move to other... I mean, they might even switch careers or move to other aspects of law and leave litigation alone. But why are you quenching their fire before they even start? You don't even give them a chance. Just because... Just because you feel a male is a better litigator. That is such a wrong And it's funny because... It makes it look like such a hopeless case. So we keep fighting, we keep trying. Because when you think of a man in that position that has that level of education, thinking like that. You would think he's and exposed that, and all. No. Most of the men that head organizations and are in control, most of these organizations are led by men. To think that they share that kind of mentality is quite scary. So it that is. means even if that man or some other man were to give a young woman some fire in her a chance she would get to court for example mm. and then she would have to deal with the other men the other men there the same way i know or the even the judge maybe mm. that just sees her that way it's such a fight it's such a battle and it feels so unfair that women actually have to fight that fight but hey we keep fighting we have to we have to keep fighting currently women make 11.7% of the world's billionaires, according to WealthX. And women have only accounted for 10 to 12% of the Forbes list for years. So right now, relegating women to the back is not only affecting females, it's also affecting the wealth in countries. People don't have access to the kind of funds that the males have access to. It has been said that cultural barriers and capital raising have made it difficult for women to make wealth. People just, once they see a female, they're not that excited to consider yeah. her for a position. Yeah. And, it, and it affects people's confidence. When, yeah. when children grow up to hear that, oh, their mom should have been appointed in this position, but didn't get it because she was female. You're not going to be so confident to think that you can achieve all your dreams. It's quite tough, though, because... What do you, I mean, in maybe in other clients, right, outside Nigeria, because when you talk about culture, and I completely hear you when you say um, in parts of the world where there are laws in place against discrimination on the basis of gender and there are rules in place, like people even have like um, quotas, like you, you have to have 
like a diversity quotas. Is that what you mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and a big part of it is having like women in your workforce. I mean, it's interesting that even businesses, so clients now, on deals, would frown on a deal team that is made of just men. Oh yeah. Some clients would actually come out to demand that. Where are the women on your team? And we don't just want a woman on your team that would be like a figurehead. We want her to be speaking. We want her to be active. We want to see her working on this deal. So it's amazing that there are actually companies and businesses that are demanding that. Because obviously for service providers, you want to please your clients, right? If you see that they're actually demanding diversity, in that sense, you would you would make the efforts because it's about your business now. It's not just about looking good. So that's a good thing. But I still see it sometimes and it's so discouraging. So let me give you an example. I was on this call with clients and advisors and all of that. And there was a female, there's a woman involved in the deal from the client side that is constantly on the phone calls and all. Then we had phone call and we wanted to, she had been contributing to the phone call. And then at some point, one of the men said, oh, um, it's so-and-so on the call. And so-and-so is a man because we want to, this next bit of the conversation is more about strategy. So I just want to check if so-and-so is cool. It was so shocking to all of us because I was like, wow. So wait, are you suggesting that she doesn't have to talk about strategy because you think that, yeah, she can deal with small stuff, but bringing the men, I mean, I would have been so upset. (laughs) The guy is a senior fine, but I just couldn't help asking myself, would he, if this person was a man, would he have done that? I don't think so. I think people don't even realize that they have this bias subconscious bias. Yeah. yeah. That, and they don't ask themselves questions like that. If this guy was a man, would you just automatically gift no, him no. some degree of wisdom and authority that he probably doesn't deserve? <laughs> why, just say, why, oh, why would you think they're smarter? <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's... It, crazy so where i work right now is one of the first places i've worked where majority of the bosses are female it's such a beautiful thing to to see you know heads of department female a former ceo was a female you have all the major exco members females it's so nice yes it's a big deal you know you just see them around and you feel so proud so like okay, these are the people handling yeah. the stuff, handling stuff in the company, calling the shots, and they're doing so well. It's a great example. Do you think it makes a difference? Well, okay. So for example, now we moved our um, extended maternity leave to I think four months, and you can extend it to five months, but the fifth month mm. will be without pay. And I have a feeling it's because the head of HR is a female. And they're all, and they also extended the paternity leave too. But I feel like there are not many companies in Nigeria that even give you that long or like allow even men to go home for paternity leave. So when they extended the maternity leave, I liked it. I'm like, okay, you can get five months. That's a big deal. That is it. You see so many companies just give you three months. And even in three months, you're so stressed out and all. But five months, you can extend it. And I I, I Mm -hmm. felt the, the feminine touch there. 
I don't know, maybe the yeah. head of HIV was a guy. I don't know how you'd have argued that out, but you see the you see the efforts Definitely. or the presence of a female boss in that department, yeah. and you see certain yeah. certain policies around that you know mm, just because these are females, they understand it better. They know. They and there are just things that they think about that I feel like most men would probably not think about, to be honest. Like, just things that improve quality of your work life, if you yeah, will. Yeah, your work life. And, and it's such, the, it, it makes a world of difference. So it's same, right? My team is like 90% women. And it's amazing. So I've spoken to people before. I've told people this before, and they'll be like, oh my God. Wouldn't they be just catty and gossipy? I, I know, know it's such a wrong men. thing to think. Wait, nobody has time for that. <laughs> Everybody's busy. Yeah. Same as my team. My boss is the only male. I mean, the three of us are females. I know we're fine. We're cool. But why would we be fighting? Why would we be gossiping? I think gossiping. I don't, I don't I know where they get this. It's so I annoying. It. It's so bad. And I think it's just. People, it's ingrained in a lot of people's minds from childhood. Yeah. I'm like, where did you people get yeah. this from? We're all for. So moving on, we've been in each other's lives for the past 14 years. That's a big deal. And on yeah. this, on this it, podcast, I, I like talking did you about say friendship. <laughs> eh? Yeah? What did I say? 14. Did you, 14. 14. Even that, it's long. I know, right? We're supposed to be celebrating anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> on this podcast i talk a lot about friendship because i really like friendship and so i want to ask you know what do you think we have done to make this friendship strong or this friendship last this long really for someone out there listening that's that's looking to be tips, tips tips listen 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 not like i can take all the credit okay well <laughs> i think i think it's just um communication and i wouldn't say it's like an everyday or even every week thing but i think it's like quality communication just trying to stay in touch okay when it's important like show up for the important things and when we do communicate making it clear at every point every opportunity that i'm here i'm like you've always got me to talk to I know I don't we don't talk like often like I said but I know I always know that if I really need to talk to someone if I need to talk to someone if I just want to gist to someone if I just really need to tell someone something funny or crazy that happened to me I can always call Yvonne and I think just yeah just building that opportunity letting that person know that I'm here like yo you've got me I think that's one of the things Thanks. from my perspective let me see how did we yeah. even become friends oh let me see I remember the first time I spoke to you it was in front of I think was it my hair was it was it your hair you were, oh calm down it was <laughs> your hair really Dami has really long hair and she was lining up in front of me or something. I just asked her her name. Is this your hair? Everybody kept asking her. She was so nice because it was me. I'm tired of answering. Yes, it's my hair. Yes, it's my hair. I'm like, oh, yes, it's my hair. I'm like, really? And then we just started talking about stuff. Where do you live? Where did you, end? Where did you grow up? Uh, next thing, we just found out that, okay, we had a mutual friend. 
our dads know each other. Each other, yeah. I remember asking yeah. my dad, like, you know, um, I go to like, yeah, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I know. And my dad and and my dad and your dad attended the same university too. Yeah, University of Lagos. Oh, so like, I even yeah. forgot that bit. Okay. Yeah, so Where it was all friend? like, ah, it's such a big deal. And yeah, we just kept in touch, really. And we used to see in class. And I used to go to her room yeah. every other day. And that would be really... <laughs> I, <laughs> I think when you have time... <laughs> when we, we had so much time on our hands Indeed. then, we had time to kind of nurture something such that even though we don't see often now, or we don't talk often, like, it's so solid. Like, that foundation is solid. And That's true. That's true. That's how no, we have so much ways, time. I think you, you stay grounded. Just having, like... <laughs> those like every time we talk now even with our other friends from uni yeah remember those good times those good days man indeed such a blessing it is really because i I feel like it's harder now to make good friends because you don't have that you don't have that time you don't have that time for that foundation i mean where do you have to learn so much about this person can't start asking questions. Yeah, what's your best food? What's your best? Oh my gosh! What are your best shoes? It's so ridiculous. Do you cook? I can't even ask those questions because it's just like, eh, why? Why are we doing that? But uni, we had so I much think- time. We trek around the yeah. whole place. We cover all the possible topics: boys, church, books, friends, movies, any yeah, kind of conversation. You talk about boys. Huh? You talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let me start. <laughs> Oh, you are. Uh, you really you Google read your books now. You finished French graduating, so <laughs> that's your difference, to be honest. <laughs> so, but seriously, I think like they are different friends for different seasons, but mm-hmm. they are friends that are like for all seasons. True. There are, fr- there are some friendships yeah, so, that are evergreen, really, that you feel like you can yeah. have any kind of conversation with. Any kind of conversation. Any kind. Yeah. So, even if you don't like know. Like you're not, we're not in the same field. We're not practicing in the same field. I can basically pick up the phone and be like, "Oh, this happened. This is what I'm like, doing." Oh, and you're sympathetic, and, and you're just fine. listening, and you're there. Exactly. Uh, and there are some people. It's like if I'm looking for, I don't know, hair or something, recommendations. <laughs> I'll talk about. I know. I know. And it's not a bad thing. Have you made a friend recently that you basically just walked up to to say hello? Nope. And you're still friends. Oh, I'm so proud of myself oh, because girl. I did. <laughs> see, see, okay, <laughs> let me see. The only friendship I think I have made recently was, and are the friends I've made in my workplace man. right now. No, no, not man. <laughs> Can you calm down? <laughs> but one of my friends I've made from my office is one of my, is a pretty close friend right now. And I mm. think we're just quite intentional about the friendship, you know, talking after work. Because sometimes you make friends at work and you cannot, you can't, it can't translate to real life because it's only at work. The proximity helps a lot. You see at work, you talk and then you go home. But when you can keep up the conversation after work, you can continue and you know so much about each other's lives. Uh And then that's when I think there's a a good shot at friendship. Apart from that, nah. So yeah, I think I will just hear, when I hear the word intentional, it just sounds like work to me like it chore. but it Doesn't shouldn't be like it it's it mm. should be effortless but you're also putting effort yeah. you know that kind of like oh yeah. effortless makeup yeah. oh yeah you're looking bit yeah it's just looking, yeah. yeah you're looking good it's just not forced and it's not heavy and it's not a lot that's it but i feel like friendship is is very important and female friendships are 
are very important. So imagine people's lives that don't have friends. It's yeah. people that are like, I don't have friends. I'm on my own. I'm like, really? Is that not lonely? Is that not boring? Who do you get to juice to that laugh about stuff? I see that a lot, especially recently where I've seen like comments on social media where someone will say, oh, um, best friend or friend. And people will be like, no, no need. I don't need friends. And they say like it's something to be yeah, proud of. Yeah, it's something to be proud of. too much drama. Jesus even had friends. There's nothing like best friend, nobody, trust no one. I'm like, that must be really hard. That must <laughs> that be hard. Be fun. It can't. It's like, it must be coming from a place of hurt, to be honest. Yeah. And a few people mm. have been really, really hurt. So do you think, do you advise people to build sister friendships at work? Female friendships to, to go out of their way to make friends with female female colleagues, female bosses, mm. look for mentors at work that are female? Yes. I mean, if there are people that are potential candidates. I, I struggle with, the, with going out of your way because I feel like sometimes things should happen like naturally without you having to force them. Especially at work because it can get really awkward <laughs> if someone feels like somebody. You're, you're, yeah, you're pursuing them and they're not necessarily feeling you in the same, you know, wavelength. But I, if, if you're lucky enough to be surrounded or to have someone that, that you could potentially be friends with at work, definitely worth it. And I think mostly because as, especially as you climb or as you progress in your workplace, things can get a bit hard or maybe when there are different phases to work life when you're just starting out and then as you get more senior I think things can get hard things can get challenging and sometimes you just need a laugh sometimes you just need somebody that is in, within the same space that you can share with that can quickly understand what you're going through and sometimes you actually need somebody strong behind you like to basically be in your corner okay sometimes you need someone to vent because it can be hard and you spend like 80 percent of your time there at That's work true. thinking about even when you're not there sometimes you're thinking about you're thinking it about walking, checking your phone yeah i think it takes a lot out of the burden it can be a burden sometimes to be honest when you work with people that you really like and especially like female friends female colleagues that you actually really like and are really kind and you're lucky enough to be able to talk to them about stuff and not feel like oh if I tell this person this thing I wonder what happens tomorrow would they then use it against me exactly hold it against me tell someone senior and then for some reason I suffer some kind of consequence as a result if you can have friendships without being afraid of all that, I think is amazing. It makes nice. work. So do you have your work bestie? Nice. Everywhere I go. <laughs> you do? You have a work bestie? <laughs> I don't have it. I wouldn't say bestie, but I work with some amazing women. women. And um, one of the people, so, so just to tie to um, women just pulling other women in, opening the door for other women, but, but before I joined, my, my team was already like 90% women. And the so I got my job through like my network. And it was like a woman, a woman that introduced me to a woman that introduced me to another wow. woman. And she was like super, yeah, I know we're thinking that we're 
like this team we need more men but please come on in oh, and she's really amazing i currently share an office with her so it's super cool and she's that's great and many women i work with are great too so it makes it much easier to do a job that is difficult sometimes you have people that can relate to you just have a good laugh sometimes that makes such a difference good laugh tell you, you like laughing now those days where, yes it's already they keep asking me how do you stay happy and and the, because it helps when i'm around people that are frustrated and they just want to go home or they have had a really long day and i'm laughing and they have the opportunity to laugh so i think Aww. it really really helps moving on yeah. Yeah. Right now, I know um, you've relocated. You've left us in Nigeria. There are many people that are relocating now. And one of their major fears is losing friendships back home. How do you think people can allay this fear? Mm. Probably goes back to what you said before about being intentional, about staying in touch with with your friends and keeping that communication going. To, because to be honest, mm. even when you're in Nigeria. I don't know if this is true for everyone. You don't get to it's see your hard. friends that often. It's, it's still hard, especially really hard. in dear old Lagos. And if you don't work together or live close, oh my God, it's like this wonderful weekend, I just want to put my legs up. I don't want to be stuck in traffic or anything. So you really, life gets in the way, right? Adulting and, and so on. So I think it's, the same way you try to keep in touch on the phone by calling them or what are you you keep that up when you when you move away i must admit that when you're in nigeria together right it's just comforting to know that oh they're just 10 minutes away or 20 minutes away or 13 minutes away or we're in we're on the same continent <laughs> There's just a certain comfort that <laughs> comes same from country. that <laughs> yeah in the same country but when you move away, it's like, oh my God, they're so far away now. But just keeping in touch and also, I think, trying, I know we talked about how hard it can be, but trying to make new connections can, can help too because it can be really lonely. And I remember away. in America, uh, let me see, minus the friends I made in Cornell, when I moved to Jacksonville, I couldn't make one friend. <laughs> oh let me not say that okay so i had one friend in the office but that was it it was just office friendship she was like oh let me know if you ever want to go watch a movie i was just always on my own and it was hard they came to work and then i went back home and i'm just thinking about my life now wow i don't have one friend and then i'll be calling i'm talking to kike back in nigeria i'm talking to all my friends because it was it was just so hard and I kept thinking, like, wow, Yvonne, I really thought you were friendly. So yeah. what happened? It can really be a struggle. So <laughs> let me see, what would I tell everybody relocating? I'm like, well, I don't know. I guess you work on how to be, try to be open, try to go out more. That's why everybody always tells me here, you have to make new friends. Because for me that I have this interest in creative arts and all, I'm, I'm always trying to look for friends with similar yeah. interests. And it's hard. It's hard to just, I'm like, what am I supposed to say? How do you follow up with this person? How do you try to mix with that person? Yeah. You know, I'm Church not trying is a to good use you. place. I mean, when I first moved, yeah, yeah, I was saying church is a when you said similar interest, I was saying church is a good place. Like when I first moved, like for my PhD, mm. I all the friends I made were from church actually, and mm-hmm. we're still friends. 
we're still like friends still now were you in a unit or something how did you make friends i wasn't okay so the first one i was basically just waiting at the bus stop to Mm. go to church and i saw that she was there too i just assumed i guess she was going to church so i'm like Oh hi, I'm Dami. Are you going to see? I say your friend. I mentioned I would never. I mentioned do the that. church. <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah, I'm going to the church." I'm like, "Oh, you're right. Okay." This is I would never I'm do doing. that. And she happened to be doing a PhD as well. Ooh, and nice. then, like, oh, you're doing a PhD as well. And then we became friends. And we're still friends now, even though she's moved back home. Okay. And then she introduced me to another friend who is still well, that's here. You're supposed to introduce her to me. I saw her yesterday. Were you yeah to... yeah Let's look at you the circle of sister friends going <laughs> yeah damn yeah. we had this conversation in december see we do not I make know. any it's, any it's, headway it's, it's, it's adulting <laughs> i will progress see. that work stream <laughs> but see see how you just walked up to her you had a conversation i really i won't do that yeah. i'll just wear a straight face and see i see you in church i'm like oh hey i saw you <laughs> something so i remember do your you face then do it okay so wait so your own is you know you're not good at this starting point i'm you're not, not good at starting but i can continue you're good at maintaining it I oh am, my god then I... <laughs> things are people until the person becomes it's important, important to me. no no until the person becomes See, important because... and i wish i had your your mind and stuff because i just i just pack unimportant information in my head and i feel like i can free <laughs> i can free up this space for better things i just remember the most random things and i'm like why Yvonne? let this thing go why are you thinking about this this let person, me tell you, you something stuff? can i preach can i okay. preach for a minute okay go, sister. i think that if if you have that you remember stuff random stuff about people i think it's a gift i don't think it's a coincidence i don't think you should pray away i think this is something god can really use yes okay, okay. trust me well, we can talk about this offline later. <laughs> another podcast just, just in case there's someone just in case there's listening. someone listening and you feel the same way there is no no such thing as a nuisance gift especially if it's not a negative thing you have the gift of connecting with people i think god god can use you to reach out to people in a very special way and the world needs so much of that Oh, praise god hallelujah sister dami. dr dami <laughs> okay so now i want to talk about your career path financial restructuring why financial yeah. restructuring for emerging economies why did this seem appealing to you i know in cornell i did bankruptcy and i really liked it but i know for your phd you focused on insolvency financial restructuring why why this aspect of law i don't even think it's that common in nigeria is it it's not. But it's a big deal, bro. I'm looking forward to when it, it would like the restructuring market in Nigeria would actually develop. Explode. Would develop. Explode. I mean, that's not, it sounds like a bad thing. Me wanting companies to go down. But the thing is, they're already going down. And yeah. it would be a good thing if we had a system that helped them not to There's go on. Data, but, yeah. But I think uh, it started from when I was practicing in Nigeria, I basically just stumbled into one restructuring and I was like, this is fun. I just like the idea of it's messier than your regular transaction, like your regular financing, which is just you originating something. And I mean, it can be fun, but when you then have that added trying to hide layer money. of <laughs> added layer to claw of mess, away yes yeah of these companies in distress and we're just looking for creative ways to patch things up 
I mean, in a way, I feel like my dad would kind of be happy because he wanted me to study medicine, like help sick people. And so now you're I helping help sick, sick companies sick now? Company. Oh, oh my, my God. God. <laughs> I mean, sometimes we end up ripping out their legs and of their course. arms. Of organization, <laughs> like you shatter them really, and you're like they're back to square one. Yeah, but. sometimes they die on the table. And I'm just going back to your question about emerging economies. Mm. I think many times when you want to like do your PhD abroad, I mean, I feel because what most people, most professors abroad are familiar with is like laws and systems in certain jurisdictions. They are comfortable with this. There's material out there. But when you want to do a PhD based on, say, Nigeria, it's a bit harder Sometimes to get in, sometimes to get funding. Sorry, I know this podcast is not about PhD because it's just no, it's not okay. familiar to everybody. And there isn't a lot of material uh, out there. So it can be like a daunting task. But I think mm. it's quite valuable because that's the way we, we produce the materials. That's the way we, as Nigerians or Africans, that's how we take control of our own narrative and just right this is what is happening in africa this is the african voice this is the nigerian voice this is our the nigerian contribution to this conversation and that's really what i wanted my phd to be about so i started out wanting to write about nigeria and you just put in an element of a uk or developed jurisdiction in there just to make it more appealing yeah. but i ended up actually doing like a um, a survey of African countries that were like trying to develop insolvency and restructuring systems. And it was so much fun. My supervisor had such a good time. Everybody wow. that I told about my PhD, everywhere I presented my PhD, they were like, oh, wow, all of that is happening in Africa. Nobody is writing about it. Not many people are writing I'm about it. About a few it. of us. Yeah. And so just being able to make that contribution, my own contribution, lend my own voice, like to the African narrative, it's something I, I'm I'm really proud of, proud and of I think it's, it's a useful Ooh. thing for for Africans or Nigerians to do. I think. Oh, good job! That's commendable. You know, I'm always proud thank of you, you. Thank you. So we're moving to the end of the show. Now this is the chill part. I just want to find out what do you do for self care? How do you maintain your work life balance? Hmm, work-life balance. <laughs> that is an ongoing project for me, if I'm being honest. It's it's not the easiest thing in the world to do, mostly because I work in an industry where you're expected to be responsive, always available, always at the client's beck and call. So, and I think it's the same for most people in like a, um, the service industry as well. I mean, it's like technology now you have your work phone you have i don't know it's it's just really hard to switch off so um i'm constantly having to make conscious efforts to just put my phone away or to just find a way to wind down after work and not and not still be in that work mode and one of the things that i find helpful one of the things i find helpful is um cooking many times i come back from work and i start cooking i start prepping and it just helps me get out of work mood which is quite handy as well because 
girl needs to eat. So <laughs> that's a useful thing to do. I'm glad I enjoy doing that and I find it helpful. And another thing is, I'm sure you can guess, Yvonne, sleeping. I, I, I am at my best when I've had enough sleep. I feel like life is good <laughs> when I wake up refreshed, when I feel refreshed. So um, I try to, I've tried to anchor sleep as one of those things that I really need to have and I make like best efforts to have. And I kind of communicate that to people I'm working with. Like, if this is not urgent, I would get to it. I would do it, but I would do a much better job after I've slept. So I'm going to go home now if that's fine, get some sleep, get to it in the morning. Is it okay if I send it to you by this time? Just negotiating that and trying to find what works for me has been really helpful. And then, um, okay, next question. Self-care. <laughs> See, I'm a very simple, simple kind of girl. Low maintenance. Self-care for me is, have I had enough sleep? Sorry, I'm quite predictable. <laughs> yeah. So when I've slept properly, I feel taken care of. <laughs> so, yeah, I... If I have some time off or I'm not too busy, one of the things that I get excited about is, oh, I'm going to get some sleep. I can just <laughs> jump on my bed and, and snooze. That's one easy, inexpensive way of taking care of myself. Also, lately, I've been enjoying reading, just reading an actual book, not on my phone where I can get distracted and start scrolling through Twitter or Instagram or checking my emails. Actually, staying in bed and reading a book, I feel like really good after. I've, I've spent um, a few hours doing that. And uh, yeah, I am not much of an explorer. So even when I go on trips, I end up spending like a large, I know probably inappropriate amount of time just chilling in bed and, and reading or something. So yeah, that's, that's take care of myself. Simple kind of girl, low maintenance. I really could have guessed that sleeping would be your major self-care. <laughs> self-care, because Dami loves to sleep. Dami loves her sleep. And as you said, it's nice that you're able to communicate that to your boss or your bosses at work. And they understand how sleep is very important to you. It's nice to know that you can have that kind of conversation. The show is coming to an end gradually. And I'm quite sad. Sad to see you go. But the very last question is, what advice can you give to any young girl struggling to see her importance right now? I would start off by saying you are special. You are important. You are unique. And you are so talented. There's so much you have to give to yourself, to the people around you, to this world. And you need to know that. You need to believe that. You need to say that to yourself as many times as you need to until you start actually believing it. Your words are powerful. And then the next thing I would say is, please, 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 take some time to find for yourself what actually feeds your soul. Find out what sets your soul on fire. Find out what makes you happy. 
Find out your own definition of success. How you define importance. How you define successful. Because it won't necessarily be the same definition that everybody else would give it. When you ask yourself what you want to do or how how you want to navigate your career or life or all of those things, don't make the decision based on what you think people will consider to be important. Actually listen to your own self because especially in this world where there's so much pressure from social media and so on to act in a certain way or to be a certain way for people to rate you or consider you to be important. I understand that pressure, but I would say make conscious effort not to allow that define you. Try not to put yourself under pressure and don't let people put you under pressure. If you need to disconnect from social media in order to get to that place, absolutely do it. Just find time to, because you need to be content with yourself in the end. You need to be happy with the choices you've made and basically just stop comparing what you've done, the decisions you've made with what you think other people would expect you to do or would rate you for, for them. Because in the end, you the only person you need to be able to live with is yourself, really. And I found that most times when you're feeling inadequate or unimportant, it's because you're comparing yourself with somebody else, whether people that you know around you, people that you went to school with, or people, just random strangers on social media that are still really trying to figure it out themselves. That's when those feelings of inadequacy come in. But if you were to just focus on your own race and work according to the goals that you've set for yourself, then those feelings wouldn't come in because really it's comparison that breeds those feelings if you think about it. So even though you might have, you might feel like some people are your mates and they might be doing better or they're more important, know that their journey is completely different from your own journey and you should focus on that journey. And rather than waste time trying to do what you're doing or do things exactly how they're doing it, invest that time into finding out what you are supposed to be doing, what makes you happy. And if you're religious, you're Christian or Muslim, you believe in God, I think that it's also important to, to spend some time finding out God's plan for you, the direction God wants you to go. I'm a Christian and and... I constantly remind myself that the only audience I really need to be pleasing is God. That takes so much pressure off you. Thank you so much, Dami, for agreeing to be on the podcast. It's been such a lovely time, really. And I just felt it was important to bring you for this episode, especially because you are such a great example of hard work, of success, of being a boss woman, you know, being a great, amazing <laughs> lawyer and a lovely friend too. Yeah. So thank you for agreeing. Thank you for taking out of your time to be on the podcast.
<laughs> Thank you so much, Siobhan, for, for this opportunity. Thanks for having me on the podcast. It's been so much fun. I feel like we even had more, more fun <laughs> recording this podcast than when we're laughing away and just sitting normally on the phone. It's, it's really nice. It's, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to have these important conversations with you, to just talk about women, dedicate some time to celebrating sisterhood, to friendship. It's been amazing. And uh, I'd like to say happy International Women's Day to all my amazing sisters out there. And um, we keep fighting, we keep having these conversations, and we keep lifting each other up. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to Beautiful Mind Podcast. Please don't forget to like, rate, please drop a review share it with your friends, send me questions, send me email. I would love to hear from you. See you in the next episode. Bye.